From Zamo Digital, welcome to the SaaS Marketing Superstars Podcast with your host, Aaron Sikowski. This is the show where we uncover proven growth strategies from CMOs and marketing leaders behind some of the fastest growing SaaS companies. Hey, superstars. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Aaron Zikowski, and, I'm, and today I'm chatting with Mike McEwen. Mike has nine plus years of B2B marketing on both the agency and in-house side. He's currently the Senior Marketing Manager at Gong.io, a revenue intelligence platform for remote sales teams. Before working at Gong, Mike was also the Director of Marketing at Mixmatch. How are you doing, Mike? How's it going today? Doing well, Aaron. Uh, you know, it's kind of one of those weird things. I've been reading your content for so long. I feel like we, we know each other very intimately, even though this is our first time officially meeting each other. Nice. Yeah, thank you. It's been a long time we've been, been in touch online. So it's awesome yeah. to finally get a chance to chat. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. For sure. I uh, would love to learn a little bit more about your background and, and also, you know, kind of what's going on at Gong. You know, it's a company that I'm, I feel like I'm seeing a lot. People are talking about it on LinkedIn posts and, and the brand is just amazing. You know, tell us what it does and kind of what's been working over there. Yeah, so Gong's a, a really unique space. Uh, we call the software revenue intelligence, which, you know, we are um, either very ambitious or foolish for creating our own category, as you will. Um, but essentially, it takes um, phone calls that are happening every day. So whether Zoom or over the phone transcribes those, um, but also provides a layer of intelligence. And so there's kind of three main categories. There's people intelligence. So you can see like if you're a manager of a particular rep, you can see what they're doing right or not. If they're speaking too much, if they're counteracting really well. Um, from a deal intelligence side, it brings in Salesforce data. So you can see like if you're a CFO or a, a head of like a VP of sales, you can see what's actually going to close and not relying on word of mouth from a rep or a CRM. Very last one's market intelligence. So, um, you know, whether you're in product or marketing as well, you can see, okay, how are we doing against competitors? Um, is our solution doing really well in market? How are things like COVID impacting um, our frontline sales? And so that kind of suite of tools is very unique, and, but it's becoming much more of a essential piece of a, a sales stack. Nice. All right. And Tell me kind of a little bit, kind of, you know, your, your team on the marketing side, you know, I know you're, you're the uh, director of marketing, right? Um, I'm the senior marketing manager. Sorry, senior marketing manager. Um, how, how big is the team over there? You know, what are you guys focusing on these days? So just as of recently, we've kind of bolstered the team. So we're at 12 um, total marketers. There's one CMO, uh, Udi, who's quite infamous by now. And then we have... Uh, we have three on the product marketing side that kind of steward over the revenue intelligence um, category creation and overall kind of like PR and helping the sales team. And then we have eight on the demand gen side, which includes myself. Uh-huh. Nice. Um, and so tell me kind of, you know, what's been going on at Gong lately? Cause like, like I mentioned before, like I'm seeing you guys everywhere lately and a lot of people are sharing a lot of good things about the company. Uh, you're clearly doing something right over on like demand gen and brand side. Um, if you can name one or two things, you know, kind of, you know, 80, 20 rule, like, like what's, what's working for you guys? I think, you know, if we're, we're talking about what's worked from the marketing side from the very beginning is just uh, establishing a strong voice. And the big channel for that has been, believe it or not, LinkedIn organic. Um, so the company invested heavily there. If you look, it's still like our top, you know, two to three um, traffic source um, even today. And so they really carved out a voice there. Uh, in addition to that, um, they've had a strong presence when like throwing events. And so if you look at traditional B2B, those have been the, the kind of their two main le- levers. They brought in folks like myself to add gas to the fire and looking at some additional lens of, especially with things like COVID, you can't do physical events. How can we um, get our message out there even more uh, effectively to these audiences? And so that's where they spun up things like SEO and paid much more aggressively. Okay. So, so you mentioned you've been in, in investing in LinkedIn organic. What, what does yes. that even mean? 
I mean, besides, yeah, I you know, a couple of, of the team leaders are kind of like posting daily, like, what does that mean on a company of your scale and your size? Like, I'm not even sure what, how, to, how, to, how to understand that beyond, beyond a couple of meters, you know, writing every day. So, you know, some of us industry vets, we used to see back in the day, something like Facebook, where you used to post like on your company page, it would get a, a good amount of shares, like, yeah. and would get in front of a lot of news feeds. LinkedIn is still one of those wild west areas where you get a lot of visibility. But as you mentioned, um, you know, usually it's personal brands that are the ones that are dominating the LinkedIn news feed where things like company updates, people have usually just used it as kind of a ticker uh, in a way just to kind to uh, just doing things like press releases and up- upcoming events. And they really haven't looked at it as a great channel to connect with your audience. I think what you will find that's unique to Gong is first, they've taken a hard stance. And so uh, I think there's at times people want to play it safe in the B2B community. But for us, we look at data sets, we're analyzing millions of calls, and we come up with these really profound insights like, hey, you know, actually, if you let your hair down a little bit and you curse on a call, or if you have your video on or not, you have higher propensities to win. And so we have that data set. And then we also created like a very unique voice. And so if you come to the gongs page, it feels much more like you're talking to an individual. And so we've really tried to hone our copy and our craft. And so I think between the, the voice piece and taking a hard stance, and then second, activating our entire seller base. So um, what's unique to Gong and most companies kind of have this problem is really allowing all the members of the organization, so we have hundreds, to understand the value in helping to share those posts, um, both from the virality it gets and then, you know, from the sales end selfishly, they get more opportunities coming in there. So once we helped establish that value, then you have, you know, hundreds of armies of advocates on your side. So when you do uh, a company page post, and you have you know dozens upon dozens of people sharing it and liking it, that helps with the virality and gets it out there. And we've also kind of optimized uh, LinkedIn specifically. Instead of just going after likes, comments are really what drives that particular vehicle. So the more comments you can get on a post, the more viral it becomes and the, the more organic reach. So those are the tips there. That's amazing. I mean, you, you, I think about a lot of you know industry influencers right now who are, you know, they, they've built up an audience. Clearly, they're getting a huge amount of reach. Um, you know, I think about Josh Fechter a year or two ago, who was really, you know, pioneering that and kind of stepped back a little bit. And I think a lot of people took what he was doing and, and grew, getting tremendous reach from that. But I know there's a lot of people who kind of try to game the system through pods and, you know, bots and things to give their comments to get that initial boost. But it sounds like you've got, you know, great content and then you've got the in- internal team organized around that. Can you tell us a little bit how you've organized the team to, to, to use that? Because I think there's a lot of companies that yet yeah, like to mimic what a strong brand like yours is doing and trying to crack LinkedIn um, and don't want to be so artificial as to be using, like I said, pods and software and stuff like that to do that. But you're doing it in, in a much more organic way by, by using your own team. You expand on that? Yeah. And I can't take credit here. It's really a great content team, but I think it's over communication. And so yeah. what may seem obtrusive, like if you're a marketer, you know, we're a little bit more shy. We're behind the computer where salespeople are more boisterous. You have to be in this case. And so if you think that you're going to post at one time, the company's going to pick it up, you're wrong. So a lot of times we will post in multiple channels on Slack. We'll have a team wide calendar invite at 8 a.m. when we do like a brand new LinkedIn articles post. Uh-huh. In addition to that, we will join the all hands and really ring that home. So through those different channels, you know, someone will pick it up. Uh, and then we just make it sure that everyone from the CEO down knows that's a very important piece to our strategy. Uh-huh. And are you doing that with pretty much every post that goes out or, or you're, you know, cherry picking the best ones that you think would be the most influential? 
we definitely do, we cherry pick. And so usually we'll have, you know, once every two to three weeks, something called Gong Labs. And that's kind of our best of content that has a lot more like analytics and those kind of things. So anytime we have like a, a major event that we're pushing or that Gong Labs post, that's really when we get everyone fired up. We still have them understand the importance of um, being active on social overall. So you still have a really good, just anytime we have a post, um, a lot of our sales reps will just like it on mobile, especially in those kind of things. But the ones that we do post are, are much more strategic. That's awesome. The SaaS Marketing Superstars podcast is brought to you by Zamo Digital Marketing, your go-to Facebook ads agency for scaling SaaS companies. The team at Zamo Digital are the experts in growing and scaling trial and demo signups for leading SaaS companies like Envision, DigitalOcean, Lessonly, and many more. Download our free SaaS scaling framework over at zamodigital.com slash framework. And now, back to the show. That sounds like an amazing strategy that, to be honest, I haven't heard too many people speaking about that. You've got a pretty solid-sized team. You can really take advantage of that to... uh... I don't want to say game the algorithm, but essentially, you know, you can do that and, and, and it would be in an honest way. That's pretty cool. From my perspective, I've been to um, a several kind of startups and I've found that, you know, from coming from more of a generalist background, even though it's important to be everywhere your audience is, it's really, really even more important to hone in on one to two channels and do it extremely well, yep. find what works on that. And then you can start scaling out. I think a lot of too many marketing teams will try like, you know, like six to eight channels at the very beginning and you just don't have enough um, bandwidth and then not enough like data sets for learning lessons. You really have to hone in on a couple and then expand. Right. And I guess in your situation, LinkedIn makes a lot of sense because salespeople are hanging out on LinkedIn. And that's exactly. Beautiful. Yes. Love it. Um, and so now that you guys are, are doing well over there, you, you said that you're, you're looking to kind of scale and, and grow more through paid and, and other channels. You know, what, what's the next step to kind of get you guys to the next level? Yeah. So I think for paid, um, noting that I've been with the company about five or so months, right? And so trying to get it to a repeatable process, what you want to be able to in paid is, you know, something like search can be very scientific. On social, it's a, it's a little bit more of an exploratory exercise. And so for me, it's getting down each one of our kind of sales segments. And so the different um, size teams that we go after and honing in on who we're targeting and the right message. And so I want to get it down to a science where I can get pretty predictable. So if CFO goes, hey, Mike, if I were to give you a million dollars more in your budget this year, what could you do with it? What's an expected level return? And I could get, you know, never going to be perfect, but I could give them a pretty accurate read on what's going on. I think that is the definite North Star. And then um, addition to that is, you know, finding the most effective channels as well. Um, so what is my, you know, one to two channels that I can really drive at home? And then what are the more, more exploratory ones where I'm okay sinking some budget in and not expecting necessarily a return, but better understanding how it interacts with that audience and then hopefully adding it to the mix. Uh-huh. And, and what are the channels that are working for, or the platforms rather, that are working for Gong right now? So the two that we're really honing in on are um, Google ads today and LinkedIn ads okay. with LinkedIn ads being the, the lion's share of the budget. Yeah. I'm, I'm very bullish on, on LinkedIn ads these days. You know, I, I know historically I've been the Facebook ads guy, but this past year we've been really going deep on LinkedIn ads. So there, there's a lot going on there and, and, and that platform is really evolving. You know, the, the, the targeting's there, the audience is there. You just have to be very careful in how you approach it just because of the, the overall costs, you know, the market costs are much higher than anywhere else. Uh, and then really thinking about, you know, social as a medium, 
you know, as search guys, we used to we do things like being very literal, keyword stuffing, those kind of things, because it's someone trying to get, they have a query, they have an interest. Uh, something like social is much more serendipitous. So you have to think much more in the entertainment facet and you can't always just kind of cram something like a, a hard demo offer in front of someone and think it's going to perform. So it's right. a definitely a little bit more balance of an art and a science. Yeah. So, so if you don't mind, I, I've been geeking out on LinkedIn ads a lot lately and, and I'd love to understand how you think about it and what's working for you. I'll tell you from our perspective, running LinkedIn ads for a bunch of clients recently, you know, we've certainly learned very early on that, you know, sending cold traffic straight to a demo request is just typically not going to work very well. Uh, we've been thinking and building funnels more based on meeting with content first, you know, usually using LinkedIn lead forms, getting people to download content and then nurture them through a funnel and bring them back to a demo request or a trial sign-up. What's kind of the funnel and what's working for you? Content, demo, gated, not gated? So I think when you, you know, even in the B2B realm, you really have to think about your different business models. So when you have something like, um, you know, I came from my previous capacity where it was an open trial. And so that, you know, that stage is much different. It's B2B to C. So you have an end user you're going after um, that you're targeting, in which case they could try the product and you can, um, you have more control on the marketing side over the full process because I would own the drip or even work with engineers on the onboarding process. When you talk about more mid-market stature to enterprise-level software, it's much more of a traditional buying uh, cycle. And so you're really, you know, not to say that you can't take someone like an end user, like a sales rep in our case, and get them to be a champion to introduce um, someone from leadership. That's a very, very hard motion, especially Mm -hmm. with the market conditions on the the higher price. So really it's about um, targeting decision um, makers. And as you said, instead of doing something like a hard demo, taking our best of content where really it's about leveling them up as an individual. So what keeps them up at night? Uh, we do a really good job of creating, crafting content um, that's more altruistic. And so not necessarily, you know, talking about a solution at all, but just things that they really care about. And so downloading something like an ebook where, you know, I even hate that word because that's pretty archaic. It's more like things like guides, but right. it's something they will actually consume. I, you know, in the past I've been guilty of outsourcing content, where it's a, it's a glossy ebook, but they, you know, they don't actually read it. So we really make sure that the content itself is really good. And then thinking about the way to close that loop. So everything from what is that nurture path through email, where you can better, um, you know, get them warmed up later on and then working very closely with an SDR team and saying, okay, they not, may not be ready at this threshold, but maybe at this one, how should you reach out? Um, sh- we, we don't want to capture as much information up front because that, you know, they get really uneasy on that. What can we do with additional tools to supplement that um, data? And then so you can reach out. And when, when you reach out, it should be in context to the asset they downloaded. And it should be more of a lighter touch. And so really thinking holistically through that journey, that's where you're going to get the best impact from uh, paid overall. So, so how does that work? So, so they click the LinkedIn ad, they download the content piece. You, you've got a little bit of information there. You enrich it. You've got your SDR team that kind of scores those leads and then determines, you know, should we reach out to people early on or do you wait for those people to kind of take some secondary action later on to reach out to you guys? So we just take a a quick step back. If you're just looking at like holistic budget for LinkedIn, 
I allocate a portion and this might, um, so even if I consider content brands, so I don't want to, yeah. you know, misuse that, but I do have a bucket of six to 8% of my budget where I'm like, Hey, this is not going to be nothing else, but things like video or things like sponsoring great posts that I know I'm not going to get a hard ROI on. Mm-hmm. I've talked about it with, uh, you know, our leadership team and they're on board as well. So I think there's a value and things that you can't measure that you know are the right thing. So not everybody, you know, just needs to consume um, something like a, a book or a hard demo request all the time. Sometimes you want to boost your great organic posts or just get a video message out that kind of warms up that audience. So I have that portion. Then uh, as you were mentioning, so something like a content download where it goes to a lead gen form and that hooks all to our backend. So Marketo, Salesforce and what have you. Uh, and we have a couple of mechanisms there. So I then move that group. So you can do remarketing based on engagement from a lead gen form. Right. And, and that's where I either move them to another piece of content. Um, so something a little bit more aligned with our actual solution. Or, you know, when I feel that they download enough content, that's when I start introducing more of the demo ads from a remarketing standpoint. And then we have, you know, it's not ever perfect, but we do have uh, a notion of like an MQL score. So they have to be, it's based on their firmographic fit. So the the right industry, um, the right amount of employee size is the title. In addition to the engagement with marketing overall, they will get a score. And that's what helps kind of bubble it up to our sales team overall. And then we've taught our sales team, which they're, they're actually fantastic. Um, one of the better, more proactive sales team I've worked with to go in and do things like hunt for a personal number uh, on some of our tools. In addition to that, look at the campaign touches that they've gone through and cater your message specifically to that. And so I think a lot of times, um, many people just look at SDRs as really young kids who come in and just should, you know, pound the phones. And uh, I think it's been really refreshing in this case that, you know, they are true sales professionals who kind of go through that profile, better understand the individual and the touch points and try to cater their message much to a deeper level. Nice. That's really helpful. I think a lot, a lot of companies are, I think, struggling, especially on the LinkedIn side to figure out, you know, just how to convert those lead MQLs really into SQLs and kind of making that transition. So it's good to learn how you guys are doing it being such a sales focused team. So um, that's awesome. Um, so you've kind of shared with us what's working. Um, it sounds like a lot of things are working really well, especially on LinkedIn for, for Gong. Um, what's the biggest thing you struggle with as a marketer right now? I think it, it does come to um, things like attribution. So if you look at our sales cycle, so there's a couple of things. There's a lag time when someone becomes a marketing qualified lead before an opportunity is created. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of things like, you know, in my old marketing past, especially like agency side, where it's a little farther away from the client, you put a pixel on the site and something like e-commerce, you can kind of see that full funnel and uh, on a product that's similar priced, you know, like pretty much every conversion is about worth the same. You'll maybe yeah. have some upsell, but you like B2B space, it varies so much differently. So, you know, if I, if I get um, someone who's qualified on the enterprise side, that's a much t- higher ticket item than someone, you know, talking to our commercial team. And I need to think about those. So if I go to a blend, if I'm just optimized to something like cost per lead. A lot of those leads are not as high quality are not the ones that you want to talk to your rep. So back in the day, I'd give myself a high five. If I was getting like a you know $65 cost per lead. Right. As I kind of got behind the scenes with the CRM and better understood what's going on, then you push yourself to do something like cost per opportunity. And then you look at even in the opportunity seg- what segment they are. So I think for, for us, the very biggest challenge that we first went through was 
we got to align our budget and everything else to different sales segments. And we have to be okay paying a higher cost per opportunity for the deeper one. And so the, when we're talking about struggles, there's two things just to kind of distill that. So first is you can't, it's really hard to measure brand. If I put paid behind organic posts, organic posts get the, the credit there. Or if I put paid behind video, I think it's a powerful medium to get your message across. But a lot of times I can't attribute that. So I think that brand bucket, even though I can see it has a halo effect on my advertising, I have to be okay internally knowing it's the right thing to do without attribution. So that's right. a big struggle. The second piece is more on uh, lag time. And so do I have enough early indicators? If it takes, if our sales cycles are, are something like uh, anywhere between you know, four to six months, that's a very long time where I invested in January that yeah. I have to wait till mid year to see if it works. And so that's a, a really hard game to play. And yeah. instead you have to, um, it's still a struggle to this day, right? Cause I, I still want to get return. If I'm looking in month, uh, my numbers may look, uh, not as, as great. And then when I look back three to six months, the uh, pipeline efficiency is much better. So yeah. I've had to build earlier indicators and I've had to, I think something I would suggest for anyone in-house who's really like nailed paid, if you really nailed paid in an agency, you should go deep, super deep. But if you're in-house, you should be more of a generalist, understand mark ops, marketing ops, and get behind that CRM. So more than just looking at lead number or MQL number or opportunity number, getting behind the scenes and actually understanding the quality as you're going into those individual uh, person's records and those account records that give you more of a pulse of like initial pulse, because if you wait too long, you know, that three to six uh, month sales cycle is something that's very dangerous and it's hard to optimize towards. Uh-huh. So you're saying to, to understand that person early on, if they seem quality and, and really dig into who they are and why they're doing this now and let that data travel with them through the CRM. So if I get like a, you know, a hundred uh, downloads of, of my content I need to go through there and make sure that those are all like of uh, great quality uh, and understanding if there was a drop off because, you know, maybe we don't have a good email sequence behind it is the SDR reaching out. So I think it's a lot more on the operation side post click um, that we, you know, in the past, I probably didn't do enough of. And so the, my two struggles that I still struggle today are brand is just like one of those unknowns uh, and you have to be okay and talk to your leadership. And then the other one is getting earlier indicators if something's working or not outside of just waiting for the revenue or the opportunities to roll in. Nice. Um, on the attribution side or, or really on any of these, are there any specific tools you guys are using with using that are helping us? We use visible, which I, I think is, you know, as far as like most of the tools go are some of the best in class. Now, yeah. The, the attribution model, it, we have a custom one and it's never going to be perfect. And I think yeah. as a marketer, you have to know that. So to constantly be iterating on it, you know, there are times where you may have a remarketing campaign or a search brand campaign. And it takes more than its fair share and you have to be very honest with yourself and management being like, hey, I think we're overcounting in this case. And then other times really dissecting that piece where like, hey, you know, actually our content download actually really helped then, you know, that direct visit, the reason you got that direct visit is because we, this was the first point introduction and giving yourself more credit there. So, you know, just knowing that attribution is a good next step, it's much better than, you know, looking at last click to a CRM, sure. uh, but constantly iterating there and being comfortable knowing that it's never going to be perfect. Right. I hear that. Um, transitioning from imperfect products out there. Um, 
if there was a product that, you know, the, the, the marketing gods or the, the product, you know, developers can, could drop in your lap, like what product would you love to see out there that could just make your job better as a marketer? I think selfishly from an advertising lens, a, a uh, platform that unifies audiences. So more than just like list management, but be able to um, better understand frequency across all like the different social networks, for example, mm-hmm. and um, doing things like I would love to be able to do sequences being like, okay, they download this piece of content on LinkedIn. And so show them this piece of content on Facebook, for example. Um, I think the unification of audiences is something that's always desired. And I wish that we had a tool for today. It's a pretty cool idea. I like that. Nice. Uh, great. Let's jump into the right, the lightning round and learn a bit more about you and what makes you tick. So uh, family situation, married, single kids. I think I've been in the big city for too long. and I'm a single man. All right. Yeah. Good. Uh, what book would you recommend to our listeners? Uh, business book, fiction book, whatever you want. Uh, really, I, I like the old um, performance advertising by Olgavy. That's one that I religiously read uh, over and over. It still holds up today. And then just how people tick, Sapiens is a really good one as well. That is a good one. I've read most of that. Um, who, um, who, what's your favorite marketing or productivity tool right now? Um, so... You know, I'm still like an old school person with like Google Sheets. I love Google Sheets and Google uh, Sheet add-ons. So, but in addition to that, I would say more since we're running a lot of lead gen forms, LeadBridge has been a lifesaver for me. Okay. Um, so it will automatically like sync audiences across different platforms just from a list perspective and then take lead gen forms and inject them into your CRM. So a lot less marketing ops cleanup. Nice. Okay. Um, who's your favorite marketer to be learning from right now? Who are you paying attention to? You know, I hate to be cliche, but I think uh, Dave Gearhart, uh, just from like a brand perspective, sure. always just kills it. And then if you're talking from a growth perspective, uh, Brian Balfour mm-hmm. is just does a really amazing content, everything around Reforge. Uh-huh. Have you joined Dave's uh, paid group yet? I haven't. Uh, one of our content marketers is part of it, though, and he yeah. reads those posts re- religiously. I've, I've been thinking about it. I've been checking out. He's yes. got good stuff out there. He does. Yeah. Um, and what's your favorite website or online community that you're learning from these days? You know, I, I actually really enjoy, so uh, I would suggest this to anyone else. If you could ever join these like councils. So I, I joined a demand gen council where it's all demand gen type leaders. Um, that's where I learned the most from us. So people are being very honest in the challenges they're going through. So that's where I find the, the most information, you know, but coming up through the ranks, things like search engine land uh, were like the gospel for a while. Uh, but I will say I just love the the realness of, you know, seeing someone's spreadsheet or them talking about real challenges. So anytime you can join a council, I, I definitely recommend it. Tell me what you mean by council, because I'm actually not familiar with that. You mean like a, like a revenue collective or something like that? or, or... Revenue collective is great on the sales side. So uh-huh. there's like a, the Topo Demand Gen Council, for example, for the marketing side. And uh-huh. then there's like little intimate groups in San Francisco. Uh, it's very close to a meetup um, uh-huh. where they, you know, once a month will come, we'll talk about challenges we're going through. And it's just a very honest format. And a lot of times we were beating your head or taking hard lessons, you know, to, to the chin. A lot of these leaders have done it before and they will help navigate you and save you a lot of time, like years worth of um, trial and error because they've just done it before. Nice. That sounds awesome. Um, and last question, where can listeners go to learn more about you? So Michael McEwen at LinkedIn is a great place to connect with me or at, uh, at Lonohead on Twitter. Okay. Awesome. Uh, Mike, this has been fantastic. Uh, we've definitely learned a lot about uh, how to use LinkedIn ads and a whole lot more. Um, and I know our listeners are going to get a lot of value. So thank you very much. Thank you. And appreciate the time. Yeah. 
The SaaS Marketing Superstars Podcast is brought to you by Xamo Digital Marketing. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Thanks again for tuning in and keep on growing your SaaS.